Welcome to the Local Homeschoolers Podcast, where you come for local resources and encouragement. We are a podcast local to Palm Beach County and Martin County. If you have a local alternative education resource or would like to share your homeschooling testimony, reach out to us at localhomeschoolers.com. All right, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I have Cheryl Trasco back on the show. Cheryl is a certified teacher and veteran home educator and evaluator. She is the co-founder of the Association of Florida Evaluators. She also runs the Palm Beach County Homeschools homeschoolers, a local homeschool support group, and that has been around for about 20 years. So today's podcast will be on the new school choice law, House Bill HB1, that has been passed in the state of Florida. We have all heard school choice, um, but what does that really mean for us? And let's break it down in a practical way. Cheryl has been on the forefront during this legislation process and getting these bills passed. So let's jump in and get a better understanding of all the details and logistics. So first of all, we'll start. um, The basic principle of school choice is that tax money that is allocated for your assigned school district or your public school can now be used for alternative means of education, either private school or homeschooling. It's reported in the media that it's available to all K through 12 students, but that's not quite accurate. It's available to all whose families have an income under a certain percentage of the federal poverty guidelines. It's in the law. It was changed. Like there have been several versions of the bill. The original versions did not have that in it. But when it went for a vote, several People objected to the fact that you might have very wealthy families then getting money that they didn't really need in order to homeschool their families. So an income cap was put on it. That's good to note. Okay, so let's talk about those new families considering homeschooling for next year. There's always been a few different ways that you can register as a homeschooler in the state of Florida. Traditionally, you submit your letter of intent to the school district and then you have to do your end of year evaluation, which means keeping a portfolio throughout the year. But there's other ways, obviously. Some families choose umbrella schools, um, but that's for another topic. Um, But with the passing of HB1, another option is now available. So can you explain the new option that's available? So the new option is similar to home education, but there are some important differences. The first difference is that you do not send in a letter of intent. If you have already um, sent in a letter of intent and are homeschooling that way, you're going to have to terminate that in order to you know, finish the sign-up process for this new program. The new program is called Personalized Education Program, or you'll see it abbreviated as PEP. And to register for that, you have to register through one of the two scholarship funding organizations. Uh, Step Up for Students is one that more people are familiar with, and there's another AAA. Both of them currently oversee the Family Empowerment Scholarship Educational Option Scholarship, which is what is being expanded uh, to include what the media is calling vouchers or ESAs um, to give funding to um, people who want to homeschool. Part of this process 
of signing up with the scholarship organizations is that you have to set up what's called a student learning program. What this is going to look like isn't entirely established yet. It is going to vary depending on which of the two organizations that you sign up with. My organization for evaluators, uh, we were contacted by um, a person in the administration of the AAA organization, and we were asked if we could help them figure out how to set up this student learning program. So we gave them a format uh, that they are now looking at and seeing if they need to edit it and such. Um, and it is going to be, assuming they don't edit too much, very similar to what you would do if you were home educating. Their format will ask you questions like, um, what kind of records are you going to keep? Are you going to keep a planner? Are you going to keep um, a um, lesson plan book? You know, it's going to give you lots of options and it will give you the option on all of these to choose other and explain something else. But it will ask questions about what you're going to do. And then um, both organizations, since it's required by law, will have questions asking what kinds of materials or other things do you need to help meet your child's educational uh, program goals and such, because they're wanting to know, what do you want money for? Uh, the other organization has described to me their plan. It's still, though, in the um, planning phase. So there are changes that could be made. Basically, neither of these are going to be certain until at least July 1st. Um, the program as they've got it set up right now will ask parents to choose educational goals first for their child. And those goals can be academic um, or they can be social emotional, such as um, you could you could say that, well, we want to work on responsibility or integrity or some other goal like that. Um, or you could just choose subject areas and say, yeah, we want to work on math and reading or whatever it is. Again, they will end with, so what kinds of things do you need? And theirs is going to be set up to provide links to suggestions based on the goals you pick. They will say, based on your goals, here are some things that might be helpful that you might want to use um, this funding for. But so that's the first step. So the PEP is, re is going to require the term is called choice navigator. So um, it's not called that anymore. No, no, that's from that. It is called that, but it doesn't require that. Again, that's a change that was made in the original bill. A choice navigator was required. Many of us protested and such. And so it's no longer required. It is an option. And the choice navigator is basically someone who can provide consultation services to help a family figure out how they're going to homeschool. They can help them figure out 
how they're going to set up this student learning plan. They can help them figure out what kinds of materials or programs or um, methods that they want to use for homeschooling. This is not required as it was originally proposed. Now it's just something that is an option that can be paid for with the scholarship funds. So when someone signs up, let's say they sign up through Step Up or AAA, um, do they need to talk to this person, this advisor, and give their student learning program right away at the beginning and then throughout the year they're going to meet up with them? Or how do they envision that looking? So again, it's no longer required. So parents can just not use a choice evaluator or choice navigator if they don't want to. Um, So the parents can do it any way they want. They can involve someone at the very beginning to help them set up a program. If they have trouble during the year, things aren't quite going right, they want to get some help, they can call on a choice navigator. It could be the same one that they used at the beginning if they did use one at the beginning. It could be somebody new. It's up to them. Um, The law gives the parent the right to change the student learning Mm -hmm. plan at any time. So just because they set it up a certain way doesn't mean they have to stick with that. They can go in and edit it. If a say they plan to use a certain curriculum and that curriculum is not working for them, they can go back and edit that. If they were working on a certain goal and they decide, yeah, no, I see something else we need to use. Maybe my child isn't doing as well in math as I thought they were, or they're not as good a reader as I thought they were, and we need to go back and work on that. Um, So they can go back and change that at any time. The choice navigator as it stands, as the law um, was passed, is uh, it just allows the parent to use scholarship funds to pay for consultation services to help them figure out their homeschooling so that they're not on their own. Um, So they can choose to find a choice navigator. My evaluators group is a source where they could find people who know homeschooling and could help them uh, with that if they want. But again, it's not required. What is required is instead of the five options for evaluations that home education students have, those in the PEP program have to do testing. They have the choice of doing testing through a public school, or they can do a nationally norm reference test, and that would be Uh, something that they could do with an evaluator, but it's got to be a test that is on an approved list that the Florida Department of Education has. Um, And so once you sign up for the PEP, you have to go ahead and continue. You can't remove yourself during the year and be a home educated student instead, like go back and um, submit your letter of intent to the school district? Well, the system is set up so that if you sign up for this program, you are getting quarterly payments into a fund that you can use. They don't want you removing your child, you know, while you've got these funds sitting in there that that you're accountable for. They really expect mm-hmm. you to finish the year out as a PEP student. I'm not sure what would happen if you don't. Um, That's one of those 
things that they're going to figure out. Okay. And then this also talks about the education savings plan. So if you're enrolled as a PEP, then you can either choose to use the money or you don't have to, and it rolls into a savings plan. Is that correct? I'm not certain on those details. This is called an ESA. Um, You're getting funds that are put into an account that is with the scholarship funding organizations. I don't think it rolls over to a different account, but I'm not certain on that. Okay. There was something on the um, law that I was reading that's talked about that, but I just was going to check with you on that one. Okay. So the biggest thing is um, the the end of year testing is required for the PEP. Let's talk about current homeschool families who are considering whether or not they should register for the new PEP plan. Um, What is some advice or considerations that you could provide for those families? So there's a limited number of people who can sign up this first year. They've limited it to 20,000. That's across the entire state. The program is supposed to be up as of July 1st. But both scholarship funding organizations have stated that they may not be ready to go on that date. If you want to sign up and your income is under um, the cap that's on there, I would be trying to sign up, you know, as soon as they open up. So I'd start checking on July 1st to see when they open. I would not end homeschooling. Um, of any kind until you verify that you've been accepted into this scholarship program and then you do need to end it. So you, if you are already homeschooling and you've sent in a letter of intent, you would need to send a letter of termination with an evaluation to end the home education program so that you can then begin the PEP program. If your child is registered in a school, whether that's an umbrella school or a public school or some other kind of private school, again, I would wait until you know that you've been accepted um, for the scholarship before I would remove them from the school um, just to make sure you don't lose your spot or whatever. So Okay. So it is going to be very limited this first year of who can actually receive any school school choice funding. Right. The the priority is being given to those with the lowest income because it's it's being um, touted as a way to help those who don't have the money to afford to homeschool. Okay. So, but this also is um, funds allocated that you could use to a private school. This scholarship. This scholarship has always been there available for um, use with private schools. It's being expanded so that it can be used with homeschooling, and it's been expanded as to who can qualify for it. And then how does the um, new PEP plan affect dual enrollment or Florida Virtual or the Flex? So the scholarship programs are a kind of state funding. The... um, dual enrollment program in which homeschoolers currently are able to take free college courses is considered another kind of state funding. And they don't want people to get double the funding. So if you are on this scholarship, you have to pay 
for things like dual enrollment college classes, FLVS flex classes, if you want to participate in public school um, extracurricular activities or do some kind of uh, part-time enrollment, any of that you have to pay for. That's been the case with the gardener, which people have used for homeschooling, but no, it's not been known. So there have been people using the gardener who didn't realize they were supposed to pay for um, flex classes or dual enrollment. The flex program, dual enrollment, are going to be much more aware of it now and are going to be trying to make sure that they are getting their funding. And so they'll make sure that um, those who are using those programs do pay. That's part of why they set up the PEP, is to have a way to distinguish so that colleges and FLVS Flex could better figure out who has to pay and who doesn't. And as far as you know, the um, family empowerment scholarships with unique abilities, is that saying the same for families who have special needs? They are expanding the scholarships, uh, but that that scholarship, which is also called the Gardener, the requirements for it have not changed. You can still send in a letter of intent, use home education, have evaluations that are not testing because you know, legislators see it as students with special needs might need alternative evaluation methods. So they have not changed those requirements. So in your opinion, and um, with your vast knowledge of this bill, what do you think the purpose of mandating the urine testing? And um, where is this information going to the scholarship provider or to the state for the results of those testing? So the testing results are being sent to the scholarship um, funding organization. They were supposed to be then sent to one of the universities in Florida that would have a grant from the state to analyze those test results. There have been a lot of concerns expressed about what are you doing with this data? Where is it going and such? And so in the final version of the bill and the law that was passed, scores are not being sent anywhere until 2027. So at first, they're only being sent to the scholarship funding organization and not forwarded anywhere else. Um, as to why it's required, I think there are a couple of reasons. One is legislators want a way to make sure their money is not being wasted. They want some way to check up on it. We, um, behind the scenes, you know, tried to see if we could get them to accept other forms of evaluations, uh, but they're just not something that most legislators are familiar with and they want numbers they can crunch. So that's a main reason. But, you know, I don't have um, firm evidence on this, but I was hearing rumors that testing organizations were pushing this bill and um, that they were losing a lot of money because of so many people pulling 
kids out of schools. So some are speculating that it's just another way for them to get their finger in the pie. So what should families consider when choosing a plan? Let's say they're going to homeschool next year. Will the new PEP school choice plan affect the freedom that homeschool families have um, for learning and teaching versus teaching for a test, in your opinion? So we've worked hard to make sure that they will have the options to use any materials they want, any methods, that they can change the plan throughout the year. There was a lot of maneuvering behind the scenes to make sure that stayed in place. They do have to do testing, though. So to me, that's a concern because unless you spend a lot of time focusing on the test and prepping for it, you're at a disadvantage to schools who spend most of the year prepping for these things. Um, so that's a concern of mine. Another concern of mine, realistically, is that it's a way to get people used to getting money from the government so that then they can add more restrictions later on. That concerns me about how it will eventually limit freedom, because when people get used to getting money, and it's going to be a considerable amount of money, um, then if they try to add more restrictions, it's going to be hard for people to say no if they still want the money. Right. So it can be up to $7,000 per student. The list that I saw, since this scholarship, it's a scholarship that's already in place. They're just expanding it. So there is a list of what was paid out last year. And on that list, it varies by county, by grade level, and there was some other consideration. I forget what it was. Uh, but on the list, it looked to me like no matter where you were in the state, you got at least $6,000. Some got more than that. And just going back quickly to the testing idea, um, let's say that you have a student who is not at grade level. What do you, how do you think that's going to go with the testing? So that's a concern that was expressed. I know I talked to people um, and expressed a concern saying a lot of kids leave public schools or other schools and are behind grade level. I said, so how's that going to be taken into consideration? I was not given answers, but I think that is part of why they have delayed reporting these test scores until 2027 because they needed to get some reassurances to people about such things. It's a concern I would have if I had a student who struggled with testing. Now you can choose from a list of tests. The list is up on the Florida Department of Education's website. Mm -hmm. And there are quite a few tests listed it also gives an option for requesting approval of other tests. So that can be something that parents might want to look at is the different test options that are available and which would be um, a better fit for their child. As of right now, there's nothing in the law that gives a penalty for the scores on the test. It doesn't say that 
you know, your child is kicked out of the program if they get below mm-hmm. a certain score. It does say that a number of the home education laws apply. So for home education students, the Craig Dickinson Act specifies that scores above the 35th percentile are considered passing and that students who get lower than that are not eligible to participate in public school extracurricular activities, for example. So there would Mm -hmm. be that concern if your kid is into sports or some other um, public school program. If you use the home education option, you can just do an evaluation other than testing, and then you don't have to worry about the test Mm -hmm. scores. Um, So that's something to consider. Okay. That is such good information. Thank you. Um, In your opinion, again, what do you think the effects of this program will be on homeschooling community and like education moving forward as you see it in the years to come? I think it's going to draw a lot of people to homeschooling who would not have done it otherwise. Um, It's definitely going to increase the homeschooling community. I think it's going to bring out a lot of people who are going to have new programs to offer because they will see more money being available. So I think there will be more programs, which could be a good thing, uh, but it might price out the people who aren't using the program. There might be things they can't afford that the people in the PE program can. That's an option. Uh, a possibility. I think that it will slowly decrease freedom is, is what I've seen happen in other areas that have allowed funding for homeschoolers. And the people who are pulling their kids out of school won't really notice it because they didn't have all those freedoms in the first place. The ones who will notice it are the old guard who have been around a while and will see things slowly uh, fading away or will fight. Um, You know, there'll be more things to be aware of and and watch out for in the future. Well, and I do think that with the passing of this law and this bill, I think that um, it just, it was so, it's kind of under the radar for most of us right now, currently homeschooling. We're so busy with other things that we kind of overlook it, but um, for it to be passed, you know, in this kind of, in this way, it could grow and grow and grow over the years and just more and more regulation. Definitely. And it is expected, you know, they're adding 20,000 more scholarship recipients this year. They're supposed to add 40,000 more the next and 40,000 more. And by 2027, it's supposed to be open to all who are under that income cap. And that income cap is pretty high. Uh, So, you know, a lot of people will qualify, uh, but if you're ultra wealthy, you won't. So there is that. Um, So it'll definitely increase greatly the number of people um, who can homeschool and the funding available to them. But yes, freedoms are something that a lot of people in the homeschooling community are very concerned about losing. I feel like this is a turning point for for those who have been homeschooling and then looking into next year, how do we advise friends of ours who are thinking about homeschooling? And it's just, it's so enticing to sign up for the PEP. And I know lots of families will 
question if that's a good decision for them. But how do we advise those families? Um, I mean, besides recording this podcast and getting the information in their hands. First, they just need to be aware that they will have to test if they choose it. And so some people will say, no, if I have to put my child through testing, I'm not going to do that. Um, So that's the first thing for them to consider. They can consider that, you know, there are a lot of ways out there already to homeschool that are low cost. Um, So you don't necessarily need that funding. Uh, But if you take it, you just want to be aware that if you get too used to it, you may be giving up freedom down the road. So just, you know, try to keep it so that you don't get to the point where you feel like you can't live without it is my Mm -hmm. (laughs) advice. Yeah. And how, yeah, that's really good advice. And how do you, um, what is your way of that we can get involved or advice to kind of stay in the for you know the forefront of this kind of these kind of laws being passed? So there are a f- couple of websites that I would suggest. flhef.org. So that's Florida Home Education Foundation is an organization that was started by Brenda Dickinson, whose husband helped write our home education laws back in the 1980s. She is still working in Tallahassee as a lobbyist trying to protect homeschool freedoms. So her website is one that you should subscribe to and get um, their newsletter from. She doesn't send things out very often. She's not an over-the-top person who's, you know, uh, trying to dramatize everything. But if she says there's a thing going on in Tallahassee that we should be concerned about and suggests action, you should consider it. Uh, I also have information that I have put up on my group for home education evaluators. My group is called the Association of Florida Evaluators. Our website is afevaluators.com. Dot com, And there is a page on homeschool options and such where I have put information and links about this new program. Uh, we are supposed to get information from the two scholarship funding organizations as they set their policies and such. And we will link to those and try to help people stay in touch with how all that's working. And I've just gotten involved in all of this politics stuff without meaning to. So I put anything there (laughs) that I know. I I try to keep it updated so that people who want to know what's going on can find it out. And I'm not somebody who goes crazy um, thinking there's something scary under every bush you know, but I mm-hmm. post things that I think people should be aware of so that they can make their own decisions and figure out what's best to do. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so good to have this podcast. And I, I know you did another video, but um, just so that people understand what's happening and can be on the forefront instead of, 
you know, not understanding what's going on and how this can impact, especially new homeschool families who we're trying to, you know, convert them. (laughs) And then we're trying to figure out which way they should go with this. So I think it's good that we all just better understand it. Right. So, um, okay, great. Well, I so appreciate your time. Is there anything else we should add to the call? Well, if you're talking about this new law in particular, one thing that also was put in there that homeschoolers might want to be aware of is that part-time enrollment in public schools is now officially an allowed thing. Um, Before, you could enroll your high school or middle school student in a class if you had them registered for an extracurricular activity, you were guaranteed the uh, option of putting them in any class affiliated with that. So if you enrolled your your child in the football team and there was a conditioning class or a weightlifting class that went with it, you could enroll them in that. Um, otherwise, it wasn't clear. And mm-hmm. You know, some schools would allow, some schools would not. And one of the reasons that many would not is they weren't sure if there was funding available, if they would get some money to help cover the costs of that student. So one of the things that this law does is makes it clear that all public schools, which would include charter schools as well, uh, can get funding if they allow part-time enrollment. So that opens another option to families to consider. Um, Well, I appreciate your time and I will link back to those websites and also your website. Um, If people have more questions, they can always reach out to, to you through your website there. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Local Homeschoolers podcast. If you would like more information about resources in the Palm Beach or Martin County area, please visit our website at localhomeschoolers.com.